Thanks so much for listening in. I'm Evan Bray, and uh, another full show today. Lots of different things to talk about. And, you know, it's so nice that sometimes we can talk about positive things. Often we talk about the challenges that we're under, and we know there is a ton of challenges. But every once in a while, there's this beacon of hope that there's better times ahead and there's good things going on. Last week, we talked about the Western Canada Economic Forum. It was an event really meant to highlight the strength of the Western Canadian economy. It was actually just held the last couple of days in Calgary. It was put together by Alex Fallon. He's the CEO of Sparrowhawk Developments, a newly created economic development corporation for Papikasis Cree Nation. Also, though, the chair of this Western Canada Economic Forum. And I wanted to check in with Alex after the event to see how it went. Alex joins us by phone now. How's it going today, Alex? Hi, been very well, thanks. Happy to call in from Calgary. Awesome. Well, how did it, how did it go? What were some of the highlights of the event? Yeah, it went very well, thanks. Um, you know, it actually got to the point where we um, had standing room only and, and a lot of people turning up to hear more about uh, the Western economy. So that was a, a good sign. And some great speakers talking about, you know, all the good things going on in our economy, not only in Saskatchewan, but across the West. And when you hear some of these speakers talk, uh, I'm thinking of the chief operating officer from Synovus Energy, for example, um, Chris Decker from Saskatchewan Trade Export Partnership, just reminds you of just the strength of, of our economies and how much potential there is. And, you know, we always say it, but we have what the world wants, and that's certainly true for Western Canada. And great day of just talking about the demand for our products all over the world. So I know when we chatted last week, you said you really wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk generally about opportunities and challenges. Were there any specifics in both of those categories that you could highlight? Yeah, I think the opportunity is is still around the natural resource sector. And, you know, we, we often talk about the emerging sectors, you know, technology, uh, digital, aerospace, et cetera. And those are all important and large sectors of our economy. But really across the West, it's the natural resources that make up so much of our economy and so much of that growth potential. Um, so a lot of talk around, of course, agriculture, but, you know, the critical minerals, helium, lithium came up a couple of times. The rebound of uranium, of course, potash, um, you know, wheat, lentils, peas, etc. And it just, just so much, so much potential. I think opportunities, absolutely. Um, the two key themes I would say were around getting our products to market. Talked a lot about those trade corridors going from the prairies across the West to the ports, you know, 10 years or so to get a new port expansion uh, in Vancouver, just that kind of potential bottleneck. And then also um, labor. A lot of the companies who spoke just cannot find or retain the the employees. Um, So we need our population growth numbers to, you know, really be sped up if we're going to um, be able to capture these opportunities. Talking with Alex Fallon, chair of the Western Canada Economic Forum. You had then the leadership roundtable on economic development in the West. How did that go? Yeah, you know, very well. Um, um, people from across the West, some of the large cities, smaller cities, the regional communities, Indigenous economic development players. And I th- think a key thing there was, you know, we often talk about attracting um, foreign companies or investors into the West. Um, but we need to do a better job of helping our companies expand into each other's provinces. 
you know, so many medium-sized companies in Saskatchewan who could be expanding into Alberta, into BC. And so I think there's some work that needs to be done there across Western economic development colleagues to help our companies expand. You know, if they start in Regina, great, expand into Saskatchewan. But why aren't we helping these companies to sell their products, expand into Vancouver? So that was a, a key theme, and I think a lot of opportunity there. You mentioned standing room only. Uh, how many people do you think you ended up having at your first conference? Well, we, we know the room capacity was 250, and people were standing out of the back, so I'd say probably 260 or so. Um, so, you know, definitely shows the demand for more of a focused discussion around Western Canada and our strengths and challenges and, um, you know, getting those people in the room. We had a great presentation from former Premier of BC, Christy Clark. Um, I thought she did amazing in terms of talking about the potential of the West and, um, you know, how we need to do more to compete globally with um, with other countries. So the big question is, uh, will you be holding it again next year? I know when you and I talked last week, I said, will this be <laughs> annual? And, and you said that's the hope, but you wanted to get through year one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, l- launching and holding one of these new events, you, you're never quite sure, but absolutely based on the reaction we had and the, the partners who came on board and, and the corporate supporters, um, very pleased to announce a partnership with Economic Development Regina to host the Western Canada Economic Forum in Regina next year. Wow. So sounds far away, but uh, probably going to start the planning already because there's just so much happening in the West that we need to raise the profile about and, and talk about and happy that it's kind of coming home to Saskatchewan next year. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I think that just makes it that much more accessible for people from our province to attend. And uh, I think that's great news. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. Alex, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time today. We'll uh, probably stay in touch and check in as we get closer to the date for 2025. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Evan. Alex Fallon, chair of the Western Canada Economic Forum that just happened this week in Calgary. As you heard, it will be happening in 2025 in Regina. So closer to home for many people in the province and uh, hopefully something that you'll be able to check out. Well, we've followed the trial in Prince Albert, a very unique nuanced murder trial involving former RCMP officer Bernie Herman. Nigel Maxwell was someone that we had talked to a few times as that trial was going on, senior reporter for PA Now. Well, the verdict came down this morning. Nigel is going to join us momentarily to let us know what the verdict was, the reaction, and whether or not there's word on an appeal. Nigel Maxwell is next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, thanks for the conversation today. It's been a full morning of discussions that you and I have been able to have, and for that, I'm always very appreciative. We also like to follow, of course, things that are unfolding in our province. We've got the inquest going on into the James Smith Cree Nation in Melford, and as you know, we've been chatting regularly with Lisa Schick, who is in Melford, and following that inquest. We also have been following the murder trial of Bernie Herman. This, of course, uh, quite a sensational trial for a few different reasons. The The details of what unfolded in this incident, this is the, the case of the former Saskatchewan RCMP member who allegedly deliberately lured his lover to an isolated area to kill him. The accused 
though, of course, through his lawyer, argued the shooting was in self-defense. This morning, the verdict came down. And Nigel Maxwell, the senior reporter for PA Now, has been our regular guest on this topic, and I appreciate, Nigel, taking a couple of minutes. I know you're you're super busy with this verdict just coming down. What was the verdict? What was the reaction, Nigel? And good afternoon, Evan. Nice to be on the show again with you. Uh, a loud gasp filled the courtroom this morning when the verdict of manslaughter was handed down to 55-year-old Bernie Herman. Uh, comments in the crowd right behind me. Oh, God. A uh, number of expletive words as well. So it, were people, I know there was there were supporters of the accused there, supporters and victim family members that were there. Was it mixed emotion with the, the reading of the verdict? There's a lot of tears. I, I quickly looked around the courtroom after the verdict. A lot of tears, people reaching for the Kleenex boxes. Um, just looks of, in some, uh, Bernie's immediate family, I would say, looks of relief in some respects would be the best way to judge. Now, Bernie himself, I mean, he's facing away from the media and the galleries. It's hard to tell kind of what his reaction was to it, but he has been calm throughout the proceedings. Even today when he showed up in court, he was hugging his family and friends, talking like really nothing was going on big. Interesting. Uh, what's next now? We we wait a little bit until we hear what the sentence will be? Yeah, well, as you know, a sentencing will be reserved, and it has been now to a tentative date of April 25th. Now, even that, though, remains kind of unclear, because what they want, the defense has signaled plans to order a full glad new report, which they've indicated could take possibly the end of the summer before they get that back. And some of the things they want to look at is, of course, that Bernie Herman's Indigenous background, um, his PTSD, uh, possibly his SASD as too, and how that may have impacted this incident. So we, we don't know yet what the outcome of this will be in terms of sentence or whether or not there will be further appeals based on this, this finding. And that's right. And I, I did speak to both the Crown and defense lawyers after leaving court. They're all reserving comment until after sentencing. So it's a lot of unknowns yet at this stage of the proceedings. Well, Nigel, you've done a great job. I appreciate you being willing to join us through this trial and paint the picture. We've been picking up the phone and and pulling you in under the radio on a regular basis. So thanks for being a good partner on this. My pleasure, Evan. Nigel Maxwell, PA Now senior reporter who uh, kept us up to date on the trial as it was unfolding. And then, as you just heard, the verdict came in. uh, Bernie Herman was found guilty of manslaughter. The reaction, of course, mixed his family want more understanding around what he's going through. As you just heard Nigel talk about, there will be a deeper dive into his background as a police officer, potentially PTSD or any other struggles that he may have had. They will, they will bring up those things for sure and want that considered not only in, in the sentence, but potentially if there is an appeal of this verdict and finding of guilt as well. And of course the victim in this Braden Herman, um, no relation to Bernie just happened to have the same last name, but we heard throughout that trial, the relationship started off almost like a father son, kind of a mentorship relationship. Uh, he lived with the family for a while, but then it turned into a different style of relationship. It was a sexual relationship, which caused lots, as you can imagine of, of complicated challenges within the family dynamic and ultimately resulted into Braden's death. So a verdict of guilt, manslaughter, Bernie Herman, former RCMP officer found this morning in uh, Prince Albert court and Nigel Maxwell, our senior reporter with PA now, who has been helping us keep on top of that.
Well, as I was mentioning, it's been a busy morning this morning. We we started off the day. Lisa Schick always does a good job of keeping us up to date on how that inquest is going on James Smith Cree Nation murders and the nearby Weldon murder as well. Part of what we talked about this morning is there are some critics of the process, the inquest process, because they feel as though not all voices are being heard. There's a lot of people who are part of the emergency, the critical incident response who are not being called to the inquest formally to take the stand and to testify. And so they feel as though their voice is not being heard in that. It'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out because that is an important part of this process as well. Um, but we also are seeing, I think, some of the the challenges that exist within the system that we work in. Right, Because a lot of people that are taking the stand and testifying are being asked questions like if you had to do this all over again, like a parole officer who makes decisions on whether or not Miles Sanderson could be released, could be back into the community, what those conditions were like, if there was a breach of the conditions, what that meant. The people making those decisions, a lot of them, when they were asked, if you had to do it again, would you do anything different? Many of them replied no. Because the system says, if this, this, and this happens, then this is what we do. And sometimes there's maybe some restrictive things built into our systems that don't allow the freedom, the discretion to make judgment calls. Or in other cases, I mean, you make a call based on the information you have in front of you, and they made their decisions based on that. It's very easy when we're using the benefit of hindsight to be able to say this should have happened. But I think it's very, very tough for a community and certainly for families who lost loved ones on that day to rationalize things that way. And then we had conversations about cost of food. We had conversations about harm reduction. Tomorrow on Friday's show, we're going to open up the phone lines for an hour from 9 to 10, just before bugs and hugs. So from 9 to 10, we're opening up the phone lines and we can touch on anything. We've talked about a lot of things this week. We talked teachers and education. We talked whether or not we should be the social promotion thing was the right way to go. That is moving students ahead in grades or should we be? failing them. Retention versus social promotion. That was a topic of discussion, and we'll get your thoughts and comments on that. Harm reduction, health, maybe the Emergencies Act is something you want to talk about. So tomorrow morning, it'll be open up the phone lines for you at one 332 8255 from 9 to 10. Then at 10 o'clock every Friday morning, we have bugs and hugs, your opportunity to tell us what's bugging you. So this could be anything. Could be big, could be small, might be a topic we have never even talked about before. It's your opportunity to dial that number, one 332 8255 and air it out. Let's hear it. What's bugging you? Or maybe it's something good and you want to send out a hug. We've had more and more of those, which is always good to see a good balance on the show. That is coming up. Also, I'm hoping to have a very special guest to start the show tomorrow morning. I'm going to leave it at that, um, but it's a conversation that I'm hoping we're going to be able to set up for tomorrow morning uh, just after 8.30, and I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you'll join me like you do every day right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.